that wizard came from the moon. Welcome to Purple Dungeon Squid, the podcast for gamers that toke. If you love the green and you love the screen, then you're in the right place, friend, because we're here to shoot the breeze on some dank strains and some video games. This week on Purple Dungeon Squid, it's cold, but game releases remain hot. We get down with some Apex Legends, and Dan went deep on Resident Evil 2. In other news, Dan Bilzerian is doing some questionably sexy weed stuff. And news alert, new study finds that people who smoke weed eat junk food often. Super Smash sold five big millions worth of games, and we muse on High Times date night ideas for getting baked and having dates. We'll also be settling in for a smoke sesh, so stick around for that, because it's going to be a good, good time. I'm your host, Andy, and with me as always, the one... The only, the apple to my jack, Dank Dan. Andy, the Purple Dungeon Pod is reporting a kind of environmental warning. Looks like we have a T-virus in the organic nacelles. There's only one thing to do here. We're going to have to engage Biohazard Protocol 1. <laughs> God, you are a nerd, Dan. Good to see you, buddy. How are you? Oh, I'm great. I'm great. Good to see, hear, and be here with you. Yeah, well, good to be here with you again. It's uh, it's been a few. That seems like a common theme recently. But I'll tell you what, Dan, we're we're here. We're here, and we're drinking busy beer. lives no. and uh, beautiful wives. That's our problem. Oh, put that on a t-shirt, there buddy. It is. Put it, put that on a t-shirt. Lick lick the label and send it off. And to then France. your beer thing on the back. Yeah, well, no, the yeah, the beer thing in small subtext near the bottom of the shirt on the mm-hmm. back, maybe mm-hmm. on the tag. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How are things, man? It's been a, it's been a been a minute, and uh, you know, I, I I've been missing this time mm-hmm. together. I'm feeling a little bashful. I mean, just like for our listeners, it's a time to relax, uh, crack open the weed version of a cold one, and uh, and just uh, commiserate in our in our favorite hobby and pastime. Crack open a jammy, fudgy uh, hair hair-covered, crystalline, uh, skunk-smelling experience. You notice, like, usually if something's, quote, covered in hair, like, you're not ready to have it? You're like, my blank, if you say my blank is covered in hair, you're in, like, the midst of returning it. But this is, when it comes to the ganj, it's a a matter of high praise. High. Yeah, man, unless you're talking about, like, you know, your Uncle Larry. Somebody loves that guy. I mean, Larry, somebody needs to be covered in hair. As a, Somebody as a needs gentleman. to be covered in hair. Some women are into that yeah. thing. You know, it is yeah. what it is. Um, yeah, dude. Well, for sure. It is nice to be back in the back in the seat. For those of you who are new to the Purple Dungeon Squad, uh, this is a podcast about weed and video mm-hmm. games. Are we surprised? Yeah, weed and video games. That's exciting. We're going to talk about some video games. We're probably going to enjoy some cannabis. It's going to be a, it's going to be a fun ride, Dan, as it always is. Um, what have you been up to over the past few weeks, yeah, my good Andy, dude? Before we get down to, to weed and video games, I gotta ask you a question. Are you fat? Are you oh. fatter than your dad? 
Definitely. See, <laughs> see I, you're, I have a system, and it won't work for you because you're not not that you're like incredibly rotund. Rotund. Your dad is a svelte man. He's he's a, yeah. No, my, he's dad, a Greek, my dad's like like he's chiseled. Yeah. So I use my he's chiseled. I use my dad as a kind of canary, a fatness canary in the coal mine, <laughs> because you know he's twenty years out from me. He's down the line. He's taking care of himself. But I mean, the ravages of age, folks. Am I right? So I just you know I take a look at him. I take a look at me and I sort of just as long as I stay on this side of the scale as him I feel comfortable I gotta say I I took a glance in my fatherly direction it's getting a little tight (laughs) you guys are you guys are neck you guys are neck and neck waistline Waistline and waistline waistline. my my dad turns to me and he's like oh look uh you know if those pants don't fit you anymore I I can take them I'm like okay dad first good burn (laughs) solid burn (laughs) second Stop hey, uh, got a pair of corduroys. Picked them up at Winners. Uh, they might look good on you. And then you know you're in real he's trouble. Like, he's like, you know uh, that uh, I hear, you know, forties, forties fit nicely. And I'm like, all right, pops, let's let's take five breaths. Forties, uh, four, oh, just Jesus. a gentle forty. And I, you know, I, I, it's that time, you know, in a, I think in a, uh, a North American's life. If you live north of, let's call it like Kansas. The winter has been upon us long enough that we we have like a gentle mid drift increase that happens to combat uh, the weather and the blues and and you know uh, it, it's like a Chris, Christmas crumple zone all these things and uh, it's sure. time to turn that <laughs> that auto boost around on the on the ro- the the bigger autobahn and listen all bo- I think you've missed I think you've missed the prime gyration here like all that happened around Jan one that's when everybody else was hitting the gym but we just sailed right past that. Into the February crumple zone, let's yeah. call it. So, uh, <laughs> and here we, we find ourselves at critical mass. I, I hit. Listen, you you know the kind of operational inertia somebody has. Like when you're doing something, it's easy to keep doing it. It's kind of like if you're rolling a rock, you know, keep rolling. It's not too hard. Well, my rock stopped rolling because uh, my my company sent out a very unique email every year. Basically, they send an email that says, "Hey, if you want to keep." Your company, uh, or if you want to give up your company gym membership, now's the time because we'll slot someone in. This year, they sent the opposite email. Let us know if you want to stay in. It was an opt-in email, which I ignored because it's always an opt-out email, right? So I go to the, go to oh, Good no. Life, and they're like, Dude, um, it says your membership has been canceled. And I'm like, canceled? And, you know, I speak with my HR. Oh, yeah, it was an opt-in this year. And I'm like, oh, okay, so just reactivate it. Like, yeah, there's going to be some forms and a waiting. That's all it took. That waiting period, just uh, the gym fell out of my uh, my routine. And <laughs> you, you left that office. You picked up an extra large pizza and a pair of sweatpants. And that, <laughs> that's history. Funyuns. Funyuns from here on out. And so also my, my uh, I won't mention the name of the gym because they're not yet a sponsor. But my legacy at this particular gym is ruined. I had such a. You've already mentioned the name of the gym. Good life oh. for those of you that weren't listening 15 <laughs> seconds ago. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Just underscore it there. That's good. Good life is paying me. I don't know. More checks not ready. So anyway, my legacy there is gone. I, they're going to look at me like a. They, I have a brand new membership. Green, a day one member. That means Chuck, the highly motivated personal trainer, is going to come around and ask me if I need uh, help with my dips, and then he's going to wink at me, and I won't know what that means, because let's be honest. Oh, no, oh. no, no. Let me reframe this for you. Chuck is going to come around. Yes. He's going to he's going to ask a series of increasingly pointed questions that will heavily insinuate how hopeless, out of shape, and 
will be forever you're going to be unless you sign up for $400 a month worth of personal training lessons. I know because I was shamed into exactly that thing about 10 years ago. See, I like the personal trainer that takes a, a, the opposite uh, approach. He's like, listen, I'm taking on like a, I'm taking on some new clients and listen, I'll give you a session free and you show up and he's like, he's like, uh, you sit down and do your stretches. Then he's like, okay, um, just stand up. And you like, stand up. He's like, mm, I can tell you're a powerful athlete. Uh, are you enjoying this? You're like, yeah, this is pretty good. And he's like, right, right, great. So let's, let's do 10 more sessions. Session two, after you sign on the dotted line, it's much different. It's, okay, uh, we're going to use these cable rows and uh, we're going to do it till um, I say stop. And what he means is we're going to do it till you puke. <laughs> <laughs> Well, at least you know you're getting your money worth. You haven't uh, you haven't gotten your money's worth if you didn't. Puke. That's right. That's, that's how you that's know. That's what I hear about these kind of things. Good stuff, man. Well, um, I think the the big question has has come about, and that is, did you end up picking up Smash Bros? Because we've talked about it, we've batted it around, but I still think we're O and O for Smash. We've, we're Smashless in in 2019. It's a sad truth. You know, I was I was uh, shoring up my switch. So I've got a I've got a couple big flights next week, and um, so you know, a good four or five hours in the chair, going to be going to be brushing up on some switch, and going down the list. Like, there's some stern offerings. Mm-hmm. There's Smash sitting probably at number one right yep. now. I would say that's my that's my number one pickup. Mm-hmm. Um, but Kingdom Hearts three. Really surprising that neither of us has picked that up either. I mean, I guess we waited, like, what, 10 years? We might as well wait another few months. Yeah, like, it's just such a big gap. Uh, And I've been been trying to read as much about this game without learning anything about the game. And so far, my favorite article I've come across was on Kotaku. And uh, what this guy and his girlfriend did was, uh, at some point, I think in the Toy Story world, you go into a game store and there's a bunch of fictitious games on the shelf. And they did an article on reviewing those fictitious games. And it's it's a pretty choice article. Check it out on Kotaku. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, for me, going back into Kingdom Hearts 3, there's two things that have stopped me from picking it up. The first one is, I never played Kingdom Hearts 2. So... Loved the first one, played through it twice, was a big was a big gaming moment in my life. But Kingdom Hearts 2 just never made it into the tray. And so I'm feeling like, I don't know, is this an accessible title or do I need to, do I need to check out number two for I it? I think that the story is weird enough and has enough t- convoluted twists. So you can just hop in and pretend like you know what's going on. Like, like nodding to someone at a dinner party that's talking about something you don't entirely understand but is still entertaining. I think also option two is I believe there is a primer available that's like a catch-you-up video on YouTube. And I think maybe the game offers one too. Like, do you want a recap of events? Now, that I may be yeah, making, I'd be, I'd be I may be making that, that but up. But there's also like... There's also like 10... No, I think I think you're right. I think I've seen it or I've come across it. I never watched it. But there's also like 10 little spin-offs and sub-sequels and stuff. So my understanding is that the storyline is pretty uh, pretty pretty convoluted. But I don't know, man. The um, the experience of jumping into those Disney worlds and revisiting uh, revisiting a little Toy Story. Yeah, this may, be, this may be the airplane pick. I think because Smash is going to be tough as well, given that... You know, it's not the most fun game. That's the game you want to you want to have three other dudes in the room for, right? Yeah. Um, so I, f- I feel like maybe Kingdom Hearts is the plane move. Yeah, yeah that's, prob- yeah, that's probably that the move. Um, boy, I'm probably going to pick pick it up on PlayStation. Oh, really? 
Well, really? Why? What? Uh, what? What lends you that way? Uh, I've just maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I am. I'm. I'm. I'm talking out of school, well, but I feel like it, the <laughs> the performance and the fidelity of this game are going to be choicest on the PlayStation. Yeah. Well, you know what else came out for uh, for the Switch recently, and I know that it's um I know that it's an old title, and so you know uh, whatever. But Final Fantasy Nine released on across the board on iOS, on PS4, on um, Switch, on Xbox One, and that's kind of that's the one Final Fantasy that gets a ton of critical acclaim that I've never actually picked up. Did you did you get through that one with Vivi and uh, I can't remember the name main character? I think um, when it comes to nine, I just gently poked my nose in and then and then didn't proceed. Yeah, that came out. Um, that came out on February thirteenth, and I have to imagine that it's gotten plenty of downloads so far. Um, I'm just like going back and seeing what released over the last two months. Obviously, Kingdom Hearts Octo- three, Octopath, uh, but, buddy, yeah. Octopath Traveler. No, Octopath was back in September, or October. Oh, right, right. Like, I definitely could. I definitely would consider picking up Octopath Traveler, but that's that's one that's kind of at odds for me because there's also uh, the new Dragon Quest game that came out. So a little while back, I was like, okay. I want a big JRPG. I'm going to go Octopath Traveler or I'm going to go the new Dragon Quest. And I spent like 20 minutes reading Reddit threads about which one to pick up. And each camp picking apart the other title made me eventually pick up neither of the titles, which is why, yeah, which is why I've sworn off reviews for at least the the, the short time. But it reminds um, me of a Save by the Bell episode where Zach and Slater are fighting over a girl, only to have their antics make her revile them both. It's like that kind of situation. Yeah, I mean something in that vein. You know, one one game is talking about how the uh, the the um, original soundtrack on the other game is extremely annoying and unnerving and looping and and limited. The other game is talking about how there's not really any branching paths and you have to replay a bunch of stuff. Both games are talking about how grindy it is, which is which is brutal because you know a good JRPG gets you past the grind. It makes the grind feel exciting or at least, um, you know, spruces it up with uh, the anticipation of good storytelling to follow, right? Um, and so, but for some reason, and I know this because I've had played many JRPGs that have felt not like a grind at all, but every single time I read a review on a JRPG, it's like guy number three in the comments, man, it got so grindy after like four hours or something like that. And Somehow that comment still hits me right in the loins. I'm always like, nah, nope, got no time for grind in my life. I'm a busy man. I'm up to big so, things. But, grind, Andy, you're out. You don't finish games, so the length is irrelevant. You play games like like looking at the sun. You glance at it, get a sense of it, and move on. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. That I, I we should I should qualify this like. There are there are some games that I will finish, but JRPGs, you're right, typically not not one of them. But I think getting the story beats of a JRPG can almost get you can get you to a level of okay. This is sounding like severe bullshit. So excuse well, me. That, that's but, a feature of the podcast. That's what people come for. They come <laughs> for the bullshit. Feature not a bug. Feature not a bug. But for me, it's like a JRPG. I can get the flavor of a JRPG in like the first arc. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? Or the first and second arc. You know, there's the characters coming together, and then you're into the thick of it, and there's maybe the first revelation, and by the time I get there, there's probably something else that's come out that's, you know, commanding my attention, and I'm like, okay, you know, JRPG number 657, I'm going to go play Red Dead now. You know what I mean? Um, But at that point, you know, I've, I've had enough of a gameplay experience to say, yeah, this was good. Storytelling was good. Characters were good. Combat was good. But um, I forgot where I was going with this. I, I, I guess ever, Octopath Traveler. Everyone and, did. I think I think you got to stop. <laughs> I, let me ask it a different way. In terms of a game, do you feel like you want to know exactly how long it is before you get in the seat so you can prepare yourself? Or you think it might be better to be more... Because, Andy, you read a lot Buddy, about I the game. I want games. games that are both endless and infinite. And, and short and contained. Extremely short and finite. <laughs> I, 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 it's, it's like the constant push-pull in my brain because, you know, we live in a world where games are released at such a, just a rapid pace. There's, there's always a new game that's coming out when you're in the middle of your game. And it's a challenging place to be to have a game that's strong enough to stop you from buying the new hotness, mm-hmm. right? Especially when you do a damn video game podcast and you got to check it out just to check it out. But I digress. This was me before. So, you know, inevitably what happens is I get, you know, 5, 10, 12 hours into a game. I get into the groove. Life happens. Three days go by. New game releases, and I'm into a new one. You know, so do I want to know? Um, you know how 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 deep I've got to go to get through a game? Nah, man. I'm just enjoying them for the beautiful little truffles they are. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but every RPG that's of of like a, a, a certain length, you know, it's it's a longer one. I, I I play it even if I'm loving it. A certain point, I'm like, oh, there's more. <laughs> There's like you can tell yeah, the no, twist no, no, is the final that. twist. It's like a, a middle twist. I was like that for Final Fantasy VII. Yeah, like, well, my original playthrough on Final Fantasy VII, I was like, nah. I just, just every five minutes, it's like we're gonna extend, and like it's not like it was, it was an exercise in excellent storytelling, right? But there just was too much, and be, you know, you've you've spent like twenty hours of your life, and you're still on disc one. You're like, nah, man, I'm out. I, you know, <laughs> as out. you See know, you Andy, I marathon this game. I, I I beat Final Fantasy in one sitting, seventy six hours straight. Disc one was a breeze. I mean, you get to that snake monster, and you know you're almost there. It's like when you're just leaving disc three, and you're like playing the mop up game. You're like, okay, I gotta mop up all the little side quests. That's when the ennui sets in. But I'm not like I'm gonna beat this game i'm not gonna finish it i'm oh, gonna you mop beat it. up side quests that's just sick like i don't even know what to i gotta say get about the you, secret Dan. character i have to get the ultima it's a good thing i found a good thing i found a co-host that actually plays a lot of video games because i'm not a side quest guy even a little bit like i see a side quest and i plug my nose and turn off the console <laughs> that's what happens with me andy you're the kind of guy that's like mario great great game world one one i really enjoyed it world one two i'll get to it <laughs> Oh, you're not far from the truth. I, I made it in the, the newest, the newest Mario. Um, have you played it yet for Switch? It's an excellent. I title. have not. I'll have to borrow it from you. Uh, yeah, you you should definitely borrow it from me. I made it to New Donk City. Um, yeah, you did. And really enjoyed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you did. New Donk. Am I right? Yeah, I made it to New Donk City and and um, still playing. Like you know, pick it up every couple weeks with my wife and plod through it because that's that's a game we enjoy together. But um, but yeah, man. I mean, back to the topic of JRPGs and whether it be Dragon Quest or or Octopath Traveler, it's weird. I think the the, the thing I want to hit on is it's weird trying to determine if I'm going to play a JRPG or not because it's like a 
a weird twilight zone every single time I try and dive into one if I'm reading a review it's exactly the same comments and criticisms for every JRPG RPG that's ever existed the like top four which are it's too grindy the characters are too campy and unbelievable the storyline is too juvenile and everything is too anime right? that's what you signed you know, up for the, it's like going to a movie and you're like the room was really yeah. dark and there's a bright screen and people were sitting near yes that's what you're doing Went swimming, got wet, hated, hated it. it. Yeah, hated ex- it. exactly. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. So, but you, you know, you, so you go into the reviews and like you've got all this color, and you're reading like you're trying to get to the meat of is, is this game enjoyable? Like, am I going to sink twenty hours and and really just piss that twenty hours away? And uh, inevitably, the the review gets colored by those remarks. And then on the other side, I've got the you know the never ending loop of you know uh, getting into a JRPG and realizing that everything feels just a lot like the last one I played. So Octopath Traveler and Dragon Quest are probably going to remain shelved. I think I'm going to go, long story short, I think I'm going to go Kingdom Hearts on this uh, one. I love your decision. And just like final thought, the game we're going to review a little bit down, Cast Resident Evil, um, the first playthrough will probably take you, it took me around eight hours. Um, and I ask you the question, can you really be the chosen one that saves the world if you can clear it in eight hours? I think in that case, you're just like a pretty capable dude. (laughs) (laughs) You're not wrong. I think games... Oh, my goodness. Uh Uh-oh. I've dropped my speaking device. Just one moment, please, Dan. There we go. For those of you that uh, are at home listening... (laughs) I've uh, I've mis- managed to misplace my headphones, and now I've uh, tucked my phone, my normal phone, up into a toque that I have fixed securely around my professional ear. Professional podcasting. So this is uh, professional podcasting at its at finest. Its finest. Uh, I think games that are able to give you a sense of time, and this is where weed comes in, man. <laughs> this is where the weed part comes in. <laughs> games that are able to represent a period of time passing in an eloquent way get me more invested off the hop. Because, you know, even if I'm playing for a short period of time, and let's be real, like when you're smoking and gaming, there's an awful lot of nothing happening a a lot of the time, especially in an RPG. Like I remember uh, firing up, um, uh, oh God, Mass Effect Effect Andromeda a few months ago, right? You know, chuffing a bone, jumping into Mass Effect Andromeda, and either spending an inordinate amount of time walking around a planet in circles or dying horribly in the same combat over and over again. The beautiful thing about Mass Effect Andromeda, or sorry, the original Mass Effect, I should say, is that the sense of pacing, like going from one location to another, is so strong that you feel like you've been playing for 20 minutes. You've gone like four different places. The atmosphere has changed like four times. It's exciting. You're like, oh, I'm, I'm in this. You know, you're not in real time space. You're like, so I guess I guess I'm looking for a video game these days that allows me to condense 20 hours of in-game time into you wanna, 20 minutes. You want to feel as though there's been some time dilation that's occurred. I just need more time in my life to play video games, Dan. That's what I'm asking for. <laughs> can can I, you're like Dan, can I just can I just stop, please? <laughs> this is the most it's the most meta introspective conversation I've ever had with myself. Thanks for thanks for coming along on the ride. I think we should probably uh, we should probably move you're on. You're like ten minutes from paying a guy eighty dollars to play a game and then tell you about it. Like that's how close you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well. This episode of Purple Dungeon Squid is brought to you by Weed and Video Games. Weed and Video Games. Thank you. 
Appreciate you being there for us in this time of need. Uh, also brought to you by Tongue Antidepressors. Hey, have the winter blues got you down? Are you fatter than your father? Let the doctor give you some tongue antidepressors. You'll be clucking in no time. <laughs> oh, crike. Crike. That's a new one. Uh, also brought to you by Isaac's Pet Rock Euthanizations. <laughs> um, is, your, is your pet rock getting long in the tooth? He's been at your side for so many loyal years, but he can't sit there and do nothing like he used to. It's time to let him down. Have him smashed into sands at Isaac's Pet Rock Euthanizations. And finally, brought to you by Extremely Dull Razors. Do you like to cut... Excuse me. Do you like to shave at lightning speed? Of course you do. Nobody takes the time that a a razor requires to pull across their jugular. Use Extremely Dull Razors, guaranteed to cut you five times with each save. Oh, man. I had an Extremely Dull Razor experience this morning, in fact. It's weird. It's kind of uncanny how dull razors hit your face you know you just end up with all these little dots of blood everywhere you're pulling a wet sponge across across your face for sure and that's what's happening and like you know what just a slight aside i can tell you what area of your body you're shaving at the speed that you're shaving at and men in this way are the most hilarious shaving your face you will go with such cavalier unbridled speed across your face with this knife it's hilarious but if we're say shaving a nether it's like easy does it easy oh yeah oh yeah it really shows yeah, you be, the priorities that we've set up, be forensic that we've on set that out thing. for ourselves yeah. listen man you cut your face maybe a cool war scar that's right you cut your you cut your downstairs mix up probably had an incident with a zipper and nobody wants to be dating the guy had an incident with a zipper. We have a bleeder. Yeah, for sure. We have a bleeder indeed. If you want to actually sponsor the podcast, go ahead and shoot us an email. PurpleDungeonSquid at gmail.com. Got some questions? Got some games you want us to play? Got some weed strains you want us to smoke? Hit us up. Shoot us an email. We'd love to check it out. Until then, Dan's going to keep talking about imaginary sponsors, that old fool. I'm going to keep improvising stuff on the fly. Alrighty then, Danny boy. So, uh, here you've been playing in the dark. Playing by yourself in the old retro dark. I've turned the lights down, I have closed the curtains, and I have fired up the beautiful, the remade Resident Evil 2. And I have to say... In 1998, this game came on the scene. Dan, what were you doing in the dark in 1998? uh, In 98, I'm going to say that I was... uh, just gently entering high school it feels like it mm. feels like or just previous to that and uh i was wheeling around a um a hard to control leon kennedy and i you know i have such great memories of playing this game you know being horrified um at every turn and you know i it's funny i remember it being just graphically beautiful and so when i i was picked up the new Resident Evil 2 and, and popped it in for a while. Boy, I wasn't disappointed. Now they've shifted focus a little bit. Um, you'll notice that now um, you are over the shoulder, looking over Leon's shoulder, um, you know, and it's so you can see more of the atmosphere. You're no longer using that absolute camera angle that's like a security camera in one side of the room. The room doesn't move. You sort of move around it. Uh, that's changed too. And it's funny because I'm like, yep, this is how it was. And then I took a peek uh, back to my 20-year-old friend, and boy, was it hot garbage. 
Yeah, man. Faces like axes. That's the best part about those like rough polygonal characters. Their faces shaped like axe heads. Yeah, that's right. You run out of bullets, just split them in two with your chin. <laughs> split them with your noggin. That's right. <laughs> Give it a go. So, you know, I, I have to say, uh, you know, playing through, they, they somehow overhauled the game in the way it looks and uh, and the way it controls and your perspective, but captured, kept the same vibe. Um, you know, and that that takes something to change something completely, but let it stay the same. You know what I mean? Yeah, kind of like marriage. Oh wow. <laughs> okay, <laughs> no, I got you. Moving right along. I got you entirely, man. <laughs> Moving so, right along. I got I got you entirely. No, it's 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 a it's an impressive feat, and I've watched some of the gameplay footage. You, did you pick this up for Switch? No, 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 PlayStation. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, okay, yeah. It, it's available for Switch though. Yes, um, don't know. Probably. Probably. Hmm, I have to look at Switch it. Is, I think Switch so. is taking all comers now. Back in the day, Resident Evil 2 actually did come out on 64. Um, no, I'm wrong. PS4, Xbox One, and PC, not on Switch. But, um, yeah, but, but you know, watching some of the gameplay footage on this guy, uh, it's, it's amazing to watch a game recreated in a state where, um, you know, as someone who never played the original Resident Evil 2, I'm, like, enticed to check it out. I'm like, oh, check out this cool new game. Nah, 20 years old, man. 20 years yes. old. As the crow flies, and uh, you know, I remember uh, going for headshots in this in the original game, and what that requires very often, especially with the shotgun, is for you to point at the ceiling and wait for the zombie to get close enough to clip him. Uh, it just, you know, it doesn't hold up over time. Although I always have love in it, and so this game brought an excellent game and to, with all the common sort of look and feel improvements that you'd want, uh, you know, in a game that's been brought forward. So. I got to tell you, it, playing it, you you get some beautiful uh, improvements. You know, you can the aiming is much better. Uh, the graphics obviously are beautiful. The f- impressive facial animations, pretty much the best zombies I've ever seen, and they are juicy and meaty and squishy and scary. Uh, they're also you need somewhere to park your bullets. Yeah, they're also a lot more hardy. So, you know, I'm sitting there with my sweet, sweet lady. We're playing the intro, uh, you know, and uh, Leon comes across his first zombie in a scary way. And I, you know, quickly pop uh, pop a round off into his head. And, and my sweet, sweet lady's like, uh, he's still coming. And so I fire another round. Dan, he's still coming. Fire two more. He's still coming. I'm like, okay, we're playing for different rules. And so looking into it, I guess, because over the shoulder means you can aim a lot better. They, If you just could pop every zombie in the head and their toast, um, you know, that, that might wouldn't be quite as difficult. Now, I do find occasionally when you shoot a zombie in the head, they immediately die. Um, but what you learn in this game is to never trust a dead body. As soon as that zombie hits the ground, if you have time, you give them a couple stern hits with a knife just to be sure. Uh, so the strategy changed. Um, I'm going for knee shots only and finishing on the ground with the knife. And then you have the second shock of the game. You're knifing zombies as you go, and then your knife breaks. <laughs> nice. Plot twist. Yeah, and you're like, uh-oh, I was not prepared for this. So, you, you know, you're scrambling. Mm. So while the game was an old friend, it pre- presented a bunch of new challenges. And that's why I loved. They kept a lot of the beats of this game are like you remembered. Raccoon City... Uh, puzzles, uh, Mr. X or the Tyrant, um, you know, stalking you, but it's brought it forward and added some new twists. And I was talking earlier about quality life improvements. Here's just a couple. Unlimited saves. Love it. Oh, 
Yeah. Uh, that's one of the hardest things to go back to. I don't mean to derail yeah. you, but that's one of the hardest things to go back to on the original PlayStation, even PlayStation 2, because there's still save points on that uh, on that beauty. Yeah, man. It's like the... I feel like not... I wanted to say we're spoiled by the fact that you can pretty much save just about anywhere in modern games. Definitely not spoiled, man. It's a requirement for sanity, you know, and also a requirement for getting through games as someone who has a tough time doing exactly that, going back and replaying, you know, 15 to 25 minutes of gameplay because you had to, you know, leave the house and come back and didn't want to keep your console on. Yeah, you had to, rough, rough you had to explain rough to your parents it. that the Nintendo was not to be turned off, not to be jostled or disturbed in any way, uh, lest you lose hours of progress. And, you know... Oh, yeah. Grandma grandma dosed that every single time. Oh, the little uh, the red light was on, so I just flicked the switch. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're, you're toast. Yeah, often you're, Suicide. you're resorting to spinning your Nintendo around backwards so it doesn't fall upon her prudent eyes. Yeah, well, yes, exactly. That's and uh, hiding it under the stack of socks and magazines. Yeah, it's either that or you just hide her compression socks and her cane, and she's not going anywhere. Anyway, uh, no. <laughs> moving right along. Oh, <laughs> moving right along, Grandma. No, Grandma. Uh, you know, so Resident Evil Two. It takes place two months after the uh, the outbreak uh, in the first one, where you find yourself in a spooky mansion. And uh, this undead horror has now uh, overrun the entirety of Raccoon City, uh, and uh, it's divided into the story acts that you'll probably be familiar with, with a couple diversions that will be some nice surprises and new enemy types. What'd you call me, Dan? I called you a diversion. An undead what? Horror. Say it, say it again. Say it again for the for the audience. Uh, it's a horror. <laughs> I take offense yeah, to should. that. So you know, it's same things: dark hallways, puzzles, and uh, the game is eerily absent of music and it takes advantage of that with uh, groaning in the distance and the crashing of a storm uh, the banging of open windows the clicking of uh, claws across tile uh, and uh, other terrifying noises and and minor spoilers if you played the first game you're hearing nothing new if if you haven't and you want to go impure go ahead and jump ahead Um, let's call it beep yeah. Beep. Beep. Spoilers. Beep. Yeah, the tyrant, when he gets introduced, you hear his heavy footsteps following you as he gets close. And that's when the music, the sort of femoral music starts to rise. And it is genuinely horrifying, especially for your first, first playthrough. And he's stalking you through. And if you remember the old games, there's areas that you were safe that you're now no longer safe in. He couldn't come in to say the main lobby of the police station. And he will now for sure. And uh, he shows up. You, you tried to hide in the main lobby. Yeah, I did. He shows up. Yeah, that's what uh, happened. You know, I, yeah. I, just just as a, as a point, you know, I, I think that it's it's fascinating how much of horror is tied to the audio audible experience, mm-hmm. right? It's it's crazy that like because by the time you see the big bad monster on the screen, you know you're you've gone from terror to like uh, to action, right? Terror to adrenaline. You've made the you've made the transition, and so much of the fun of games like this is the experience of being on the edge of your seat waiting for that to happen. No different than a horror movie, and. You know, you can do little little visual cues, and and for sure, games like Doom, which uh, which I've been checking out recently, um, do this well. You know, with the atmosphere, uh, but there's just something about the audio that just and it it can be so wide ranging. What's unnerving? Like, yeah, little clicks, little scratches, little growls, little sounds off in the off in the distance, but also like super 
distressing impersonal sounds like the sound of like a repeating alarm at the beginning of half-life you remember the beginning of half-life when shit goes down and the reactor explodes and just the constant like you know what i mean like that that just something reminding your psyche continuously that shit is not okay (laughs) <laughs> yeah. There is a problem. Yeah, no, I, I love it. And it's funny because I used to play I used to play games often with uh, with the sound off. And it actually coincided with my enjoyment of cannabis and video games when I started playing with sound on or on headphones. And it's like rediscovering a video game, right? It's it's a totally different experience, not just, you know, putting it on super low or putting it on mute, hearing maybe the gun the gunshots or whatever it is, but really getting the full soundscape. That may sound like an obvious statement for someone who you know games with sound on all the time but it was a big revelation for me uh, homie playing a video game with the sound off is psychopath shit like that truly really, really and truly it's like eating just the crust off a sandwich like it's i'm worried no i mean i don't I, know it kind of like it's, it goes back to like a habit of like early I, I don't know maybe this goes back to like early saturday morning getting up early playing uh playing desert strike and sonic the hedgehog on genesis you don't need sound for that shit you sure do you turn that right down oh you absolutely do so that's that, you know what you're what you're propping out there is some psychopath shit right there and uh, i'm just gonna we're gonna sweep it under the rug we really are um so moving right wow. along, uh, oh. so I, I got to tell you something that we're speaking about sound, uh, the voice acting, which it, it, it is legendarily cheesy in previous titles, they've uh, brought that up a notch. It's natural. They, it feels like it's it's fluid. Sometimes I'm concerned that our characters aren't more concerned with the zombies. Like I would be in full mental breakdown, and they're they're handling it okay. But it isn't cringy, which is great. Uh, and I'm actually surprised that because you would assume with that like. With that much audio available, you would assume that they would at least repurpose some of it, no? No. I, it's fascinating that they would re-record the whole oh, thing. Oh, overhaul. Yeah. No, it's, it's not a shot-for-shot remake, so it just wouldn't work. It wouldn't, okay, it, it gotcha. wouldn't work at all. Um, so the voice acting is no longer a cheesy mess, and, and you still have that those survival horror elements. Um, crucial inventory and ammo management. You're going to find yourself short on bullets quite a bit. So you're going to want to conserve those rounds. Um, We talked about quality of life improvements. The map updates as you go to show you what rooms you've been in. And brilliantly, if that room still has items in it, I love that. Uh, So you know if you've missed something. Um, That was beautiful. And so here we talked a little bit about creating fear. There's no more loading screens for the most part. And that's something that really cranked up the tension for for me because every time you walked out of a room, the game sort of zooms into the door and you have this disembodied door waiting and then opening and you move through it on the loading screen, which just made you really uh, wonder what's going to be on the other side. It extends that moment, which was of unique terror to me. Uh, I, right. I love that. That's gone. But listen, no loading screen, screens. I'm sold. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, tension builds with the sound design. We talked a little bit about that. Here's one of my big bone in, of contentions. I really love playing through as Leon. I, I like the story. Uh, uh, you know, it felt like a complete game. Um, and I was happy to hit that new game plus and, and switch over to Claire. But what I was expecting is a kind of A story and B story. Like, Leon does all these things, so Claire has this different experience and what I found was it's the same game um, 
beats. You know, Claire plays differently, whereas Leon has a uh, a nine millimeter uh, pistol. He calls Matilda, uh, who, who can get uh, decked out, and a shotgun that does the same. Followed by what's his final weapon? Flame flamethrower. Uh, she has a. Uh, a revolver and then uh, can convert to a larger revolver and a uh, grenade launcher. So she's, she, and a, a flamethrower, or not a flamethrower, a, a shotgun. So the, the, they play differently. Um, there you go. That'd be a hell of a combination, eh? I've got a pistol and a grenade launcher. <laughs> that's, that's what I want. I with. love the sound of an M80 round that, that thunk. So so satisfying. Uh, now the thunk of a of a grenade launcher is a uniquely pleasurable. I feel like that needs to be my new text message sound. Oh, beautiful! I dig that. But so what? What bummed me out is it didn't have this totally different story. There is a little side story that you wander around, and some of the beats are a little bit different. But I was hoping for a totally different game. Um, I'm told that there is some differences. Like you can play a new game plus with the same character again over, and the story's slightly different, and items move around. Uh, the tyrant, I can't spoil it, but he does. If depending on how you play the game and where you go and when, some stuff can happen differently. So there's some variation there. They they they're really brilliant in the way they executed it. Um, no no spoilers there. And there, there's a, a number of additional characters which get unlocked. And I, I'm going to play them through uh, and, and try to fully complete this this thing 100%. Uh, but I would have liked to see a little bit... Uh, God, that's discipline, man. Playing Now, how many how many characters are you playing through? It's I think it's going to be five at the end of the day. And Jesus. two of them twice. Good for you. I mean, once you're done, they're... Like, my first playthrough, I beat it once as... Uh, uh, Leon, that took me eight hours, and then I ran through it with Claire on her story, and that took me five hours. So I think the next one I'm going to try and shoot for four, which will get me an S rank um, and unlock unlimited ammo. Um, you, there's these little toys called uh, Mr. Raccoon toys that, as you go through the game, they're like hidden around. If you shoot them all, you get the unbreakable knife, which I think is going to be key to the uh, the fast playthrough. Um, for sure. So yeah, there's there's some there's some replayability. And the, the game is enjoyable to the point where my sweet sweet lady she rates games yay or nay on their watchability, watching me play, and she's like, this is like playing a movie. Um, so she really dug it. So I got the girlfriend approval, which makes it a little bit easier to continue. Right, right. Did a little bit better than uh, No Man's Sky for her, I imagine. Uh yeah no no man sky Dan, she, so exciting hates, watching you mine that ore oh, again please she she wanted please to delete that from my hard drive she's like why is there no music in this game I'm like they're trying to create like a kind of ephemeral loneliness she's like this game sucks <laughs> I hate it <laughs> well I wouldn't know because I would have played it with the sound off until my new new uh, you know uh, sound evangelism it, that's like it, uh, I picture a guy who plays games with the sound off he's the same guy who like picks roadkill up at the side of the road and taxidermies it sort of haphazardly into his basement possibly mixing Listen, man, mixing and matching animals is not what is this it's a jackalope and, uh, it's a sweet sweet yeah, jackalope roadside raccoons are plentiful and stuffing is found in ten dollar pillows mm. just so we're clear fantastic ne- never staying over if your you can get again. past the smell it's a wonderful way to go T- totally you want to talk apex legends 
Apex Legends came out of freaking nowhere. Out of nowhere. And that's probably been the soundbite repeated across, you know, every every gaming podcast on the on the spectrum. But like where the hell did this game come from, Dan? It was the anti marketing campaign. And let me break it down. Respawn okay, goes the ac- accidentally anti marketing no, campaign. No. The, the we didn't have much of a budget marketing no. campaign. X no, incorrect, sir. What it was was Respawn is owned by EA. And Respawn mm-hmm. goes, people don't like EA. <laughs> and this game we're making is rife for controversy. You know, if they talked about it eight months ago or a year ago, wherever they stopped started development, people have been like, this game's uh, rife for loot boxes and the loot box controversy would have ramped up and there would have been all this speculation. It's going to be pay to win. They're going to monetize the hell out of it. It's going to be like, you know, like Battlefront. Like they're, they're just, the speculation was going to get ahead of them. It wasn't going to be good buzz. So um, he the, the head of the, the publisher, not the publisher, but the developer made a call. We're not going to talk about it until it drops. So they they, they released the game's marketing and then they dropped it the same day. So you would make your decision based on the gameplay because they were so sure about the gameplay. And Respawn was very clear with the EA. This is the game we're making. Help us make it. And in all other ways, get out of our way. And oddly, the, the head of Respawn has been very clear EA had nothing to do with the making of this game, which is like kind of an industry no-no. It's kind of like... Well, yes and no, though. Yes and no, because, I mean, on the other end of the spectrum, the publisher has to agree not to go into that kind of agreement on marketing, right? So, you know, EA also gets to avoid, in that period of time, you know, being transparent about what's going on with the monetization of the game. There's, is there loot boxes? Is there not loot boxes? The whole, you know, uh, on the back of Battlefield, what's going on with this game and how are you going to make money off of it? And, um, yeah, I mean, in, in terms of not doing any of that, just avoiding the overall conversation, <laughs> I guess, is, is the the key point. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, getting into the meat of it, politics aside, Apex Legend is a 50-man battle royale um, in, with all a lot of the standard trappings you're dropping out of a drop ship but you're not dropping alone you're dropping in three man squads and you're not just playing a character or sorry like a guy or a class you're playing one of eight distinct characters that in turn have mm-hmm. a type of class on them but they they have personalities you know what i mean they're they're characters bangalore is uh you know i believe i think is fair to say uh, a professional soldier um, that's you know you, she has a very aggressive play style uh, as compared to Gibraltar who is very clearly a Samoan um, defensive tank um, that's played in a totally different way and that characterization really sets it apart from some of its competitors. Yeah, and you know the feel of this game is is definitely you know when Fortnite came out I enjoyed it for a good long while but one of the things that grates on me about Fortnite and it's to its credit something that made it extremely accessible but was the goofy cartoony overall look and vibe of yeah. it Apex Legends manages to land somewhere right between Fortnite and um, and PUBG on the accessibility scale yeah. you know yeah. uh, good looking enough to be cool right got enough of a vibe there to to be taken seriously but on the other end of the spectrum not you know the hyper well i shouldn't say hyper realism of PUBG, but that that grittier vibe cartoon realistic closer to kind of an overwatch and one of the brilliant things about having these distinct 
uh, characters is you get to design their models to be very interesting that reflects the abilities they have rather than a generic guy, um, you know, just guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, no question. And, I mean, boy, what a kick in the teeth for uh, for Blizzard, too, though, eh? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh, goodness. Yeah, anyway, I, I, you know, for me, um, Apex Legends is definitely a... Uh, is definitely a settling into the battle royale game that that you know I, I could i could call my call my own um i'm curious to see what other innovations i don't think i don't think that the battle royale mode is done yet you know i don't think we've seen i don't think we've seen the end of or i should say i don't think we've seen the peak of battle royale yet which think? is interesting because we've gone through this is no this is the third game the third game that's that's risen with such ferocity in the gaming community between PUBG and Fortnite, you know, you would assume that Fortnite was going to be the overall contender for time immemorial, but Apex Legends has taken a chunk out of it. What what's what is it at right now? Like obviously you got first week hype, so it's it's challenging to look at the look at the numbers I at the moment. I believe the numbers is is they've had 10, 22 million players um, you know, in the game and I think the the peak of it so far is 10 million concurrent players and and I just like here's here's the thing you're right in some ways cuz what the battle royale gives you is across the board it's always you kind of get going quick it drops you in and it's happening right away and whether you do well or you do poorly it's going to be done within about 20 minutes you know you it forces quick scavenging and this one tons of communication something they did really well in this game is the pinging system so if you don't have a mic or you just don't care to speak on mic, you can uh, tag things very effectively. Tag things for other players to pick right. up, tell them you're advancing here, you're defending there, I call dibs on that. And it's so key to this game because without your squad, you're you're kind of toast. It's going to go poorly for you. You're going to have a bad day. Yeah, yeah, entirely. And, you know, that that's, that's fundamentally different from the vibe of Fortnite, which, again, is much more casual. It's, you know... Fortnite has largely become, especially for the younger generation of gamers, like a place where people go to hang out. You know, people go to hang out on, and if they're if they're using any voice chat, it's it's to goof around and to, you know, um, whatever, wear silly skins and do funny dances. Uh, and not to say that there isn't a decided competitive environment there. Of course there is, but um, yeah, I mean it's it's more of a more of an ecosystem for play. Whereas Apex is is more more. Well, I, I don't want to use hyperbole, but like definitely more dialed in from from the tactics perspective you have to be on top of what's going on at every given moment it's you're not there necessarily to fool around and and it's uh, as, as a squad based game it just requires more coordination in general yeah and the fact that the characters each have abilities sort of informs you what your role is if you pick lifeline and she's the healer you're, probably your job isn't to run in uh, you know, in front and, and get killed because you're kind of this anchor for the team. Um, there's a character called Caustic and he drops sort of uh, poison traps and he needs to be a little bit more tactical and plotting and, and you know, he's more of a defensive player um, as opposed to uh, Wraith, who's a character that can sort of phase out and travel in sort of the underdark, the the upside down and pop out. She creates portals and, and does things of that nature. So she she's a little bit of a tactical mover. I've been playing Bangalore like crazy. I love her to death. She drops artillery strikes and, and smoke screens. Uh, and you find that what they've done very well, you can tell there's an attention to this, the game's balanced. The characters are, bal- are balanced. There's not one overpowered character. The guns and pickups are balanced. There isn't 
a god gun, which you find so often in these games. Like when I when I talk about, you know, what's the best gun to use, there's like a top five or six or seven out of maybe the 15 guns in the game. And that, that's yeah, a great spread. That, that, yeah, that's a good place to be. It's a good place to be. You know, I just, I'm, I'm interested about where Battle Royale shooters are going to go. More so than Apex Legends, because I got to be honest, I still feel like Apex Legends is a bit of a stop along the way. And usurping... It's it's not apples to apples, so saying usurping is maybe strong, but like definitely taking the spotlight away from Overwatch in the character shooter genre, right, is is a, an interesting way for Apex to jump into um, the battle royale mode as well as displace another really popular shooter. I just battle royale more and more is starting to feel like just a standard, right? It's starting to feel like deathmatch, you know, and. There's always going to be a narrative struggle in figuring out how do you uh, how do you position an elimination game. You can't do something in the in the vein of a battlefield where you've got light versus dark or you've got you know uh, axes versus allies or whatever because then you're just playing you know uh, permanent elimination down to the last man. But if you can find the context to create either individuals or groups of individuals large groups of or many groups of individuals fighting to figure out which group or which individual can be the last man standing i mean i can think of many more complex situations under which that could be a storyline as opposed to just falling from the sky and doing battle you know what i mean so i i feel like as as more developers explore what battle royale looks like and start attaching different contexts to the fight and um, you know, layering on more and more systems, and and maybe some persistence, and I, I don't know. There, there. This again, Apex Legends is really good, and just as Fortnite was really good, and PUBG was really good, and still, these three shooters now continue to feel like they're building towards something. Now, maybe they won't, but I have a sneaking suspicion they will. I, I, you know, I'm going to put in a prediction out early. I think that. Um, this game is going to have some staying power. I think it's going to ca- cause a lot of problems to the established champions of this realm. And, you know, it's a great game and has room mm-hmm. for improvement. Something I would love to see is when you load in that it identifies a rival squad. Because what right now it has this cool mechanic that it tells you who the champion of the uh, of the matches ahead of time, which is who was the best player out of everybody in their last round, and it highlights them. It kind of shows you, here's the guy to beat, and if you kill the champion, uh, you get some extra experience, which is fantastic, um, which yes. you know feeds forward, uh, feeds forward to your uh, getting um, sort of loot boxes as you level up. I would love to see each squad get a rival squad it's a squad that's close to your ability level maybe it pings where they drop early in the game so you get an idea of whereabouts they are and if you wipe out their squad you get a bonus i love that another mechanic that i want to touch on i'll let you sorry comment on that but uh is that i love the fact that it's hard it's you get a couple chances in this game you can get shot until you're down you take a knee you know you can uh you can be revived and then even if you're taken out from that status and put down, down, you if so your uh, cohort, your team member picks up your, quote, banner from your where you died, they can recall you back to be dropped out of a dropship at one of the dropship points, of which there's many across the map. So, you know, just because your squad gets hurt badly doesn't mean they're down and out. And uh, there's been some epic comebacks that I've been a part of, and it's really satisfying. Uh, it brings your team together. You really got to, you know, you get that cohesive unit you, feeling. Yeah, you really feel like Black Ops 4 should have been 
should have been the squad base shooter that this was or the tactical base shooter that this was you, you feel like black ops 4 should have taken it in this direction and and you know i think that black ops is out as a battle royale game i don't think it's got the audience or the longevity um i don't think that PUBG is doing too well right now you know looking at PUBG and looking at just some of the the conversation going on on reddit i don't have any numbers it's just you know total total uh conjecture but you know PUBG is janky still man like getting in there does not feel does not feel smooth doesn't feel crisp you know and 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 one thing that Fortnite did really well was extremely tight blizzard-esque gameplay right um and apex legends in the same vein so um yeah i'm i'm curious to see which direction this this genre of of shooter goes and i've said it before i'll say it again it's it's about the only shooter i want to play these days you know i don't i'm not i'm not into the super tightly tuned you know uh solo deathmatch experience I, I i i think that those days are kind of done for me um and you know this and and, and similarly the the large scale battle battlefield based shooters um like battlefield or like uh oh god why am i drawing a blank on the other one modern warfare mm-hmm, yeah mm-hmm. um it just just you know it always feel a little bit too chaotic to jump into unless you've got a really cohesive team so battle royale sits somewhere beautifully right in between there's that little bit of personal glory there's the addictive feeling of trying to you know get as far in the ranking as possible there's the ability to drop out as soon as you know as soon as everything goes sideways and immediately start another match yeah man this uh this 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 mode is building towards something significant and um not that apex legends isn't i just mean to say this year i I predict that we'll we'll have many more disruptive um battle royale games come out yeah yeah be interesting it'll be interesting uh this is this has been the only one that's captured my interest thus far and uh, let's be honest a lot of it had to do with the fact that it was free to play a lot of them are um but it just hit this happy medium it felt like it was aimed straight at me and uh boy did it hit me on the mark well, it's like it's you know, and the only thing I can compare Battle Royale to is the MMO uh, world, right? You know, you've got early MMOs that were largely you know a few solid contenders like um, AC and like EverQuest, right? And you've got just a litany, just a just a cesspool of various free to play or pay to win or you know. Uh, early age MMOs that had come out and had varying middle middling levels of success and you know at some point MMOs built to the built to the point where there was a World of Warcraft and I would have assumed that Fortnite was the World of Warcraft of battle royale games but it just it feels like we're not there yet you know it feels like maybe Fortnite was EverQuest and you know Apex Legends is one of the more let's say you know uh, AC and uh, we're, we've still yet to see what the major World of Warcraft hit is going to be. Interesting. And that's optimistic to say, given how ubiquitous Fortnite is, you know. I mean, I, I went into a toy store the other day to buy something for my daughter. And this is not like a like a, like a a toy store for older children. It's like, you know, there's baby toys there and this and the other. And whole section of Fortnite clothing. So to say that it hasn't hit the mainstream, to say that it hasn't completely infiltrated every Walmart and Target and, you know, there's Fortnite toys and there's Fortnite everything everywhere. Yeah, for sure it hit that critical mass and has over the last six months to a year. But man, like I just, something inside of me says, 
We're not there it yet. It ain't over. Anyway, um, how about a little bit less idle speculation and a little bit more smoke sash? Oh, how does that feel? Brilliant. You're speaking my language. Smoke sash. Dan, I got some regrettable news for you, my dude. Uh oh. I am deep on some antibiotics for strep throat. And I think that smoking uh, the d- delicious herb today would probably be ill advised. So I think today it's going to be a Dan Smokes Day. The day is mine. Yes, it is indeed. And uh, what have you brought for us today? What have you brought to share with the class, Well, first, Dan? I'm sorry you're feeling under the weather, Heather. That is unfortunate. And uh, I'll bring you some spicy organic sauerkraut to repopulate your lower gut flora and fauna. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. That's so very thoughtful. I'm here for you. I am a constant adversary you are here and for my advocate. Bowels. Uh, today, mm-hmm. from my local um, and perhaps off-the-books Nugsmith... I've been provided with some mysterious Kilimanjaro. Kilimanjaro. So you, uh, so you, this is your local, your your local free range weed. Yeah, it's. Uh, it was handed to me under a table at a speakeasy while sipping Manhattans, and you know, as much as I love the bright, shiny retail experience, sometimes I like to be slid something under a table. You know what I mean? Mm, all right. Well, why don't you go ahead and give us the uh, rundown on this particular nug? Um, so this fella is um, oddly shaped, actually. They're, the buds are not uniform. They, they, I have a variance of sides here. They're sort of tall and uh, spindly, um, mm-hmm. although they, they definitely have a, a, a wideness. They're kind of they're kind of coney in their shape. They come to tips. Um, they're quite white. They're light in color, and as I smell them here, mm, a little bit of a stuffed-up sniffer here. Let me try this again. Um, we got we got some sort of uh, fruity notes. It's definitely lemon. Sorry, shroomy notes. Uh, sorry, uh, fruity, fruity. Oh, fruity notes. Yeah, there you and, go. And uh, I get fr- I get fruity uh, on the on the citrusy side, and then like pepper. It backs it up with the mm. good pepper. Nice. Little peppery, little peppery lineage. I like it. Well, why don't you go ahead and uh, what are you smoking out of today, Dan? Uh, I got my old friend, the triple percolator uh, beaker bong, uh, which is teal and glorious. Uh, nice silica glass. Uh, it means business while still being low key. Ah, beautiful, beautiful. Well, I'll let you pack that in while I tell tell the good folks about a little Kilimanjaro. Kilimanjaro. Is a pure sativa land race from the mountain slopes of Tanzania, where it was originally cultivated for use in hunting and religious practice by the native population. Tribes commonly referred to the strain as the elephant stomper and used it for its energetic hyper effects. Its aroma carries notes of lemony citrus and fruit, and Kilimanjaro's tall growth makes it ideal for outdoor or greenhouse gardens. Lots of that sounds nice. Lots of wood on the palate. And that citrus is hitting me in the top of the nose. It floated up to my sinus. So um, with the risk of, 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 of getting in trouble here, wood in the mouth, 
citrus in the nose. Oh, nice. Got you. You're chopping logs in the mouth and squirting lemons in the nose. That's what I'm talking about. Um, thank you, Leafly. That was a uh, nice little synopsis of Kilimanjaro. How's it hitting you, bud? Uh, really easy pleasy. And uh, yeah, it's definitely floating up through my face into the top of my head. Uh, and this definitely feels like an elevation uh, guy. This one's uh, going to put me in a hot air balloon and get me to about 2,000 uh, feet to overlook a Huey pink sunset. Yeah, well, wonderful. I wish I could be joining you on this journey here today, my friend. Um, hopefully, the uh, hopefully the antibiotics will run their course and uh, eradicate whatever it is ailing me. Um, and next time, we can get down with a little bud together. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. Just like good buds do. The puns. You've nice? got them. Ah, uh, yeah. Bring them, bring them left, bring them right. Um, so, Dan Bilzerian, the, uh, the, you know, the man, the, 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 what can I say about friggin' Dan Bilzerian? He's, uh, he likes poker, and he likes mansion parties, and he likes ladies. Uh, and um, It should be said, you know, he's launched- of Instagrams, his is the littest. Can we agree? Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm not going to hate on Dan Bilzerian. Like, he's, he's, cho- he's, he's got a lifestyle, man. Like, you know, I'm, God bless him. He, like, do your thing. He does what he does the, singularity, the bring- singularly, and... You got to understand that uh, what le- makes it feel okay for me is everybody looks like they're having a good time and they're all consenting adults. And so, I mean, there's something to that. <laughs> Thanks, Mr. Rogers. Mr. Rogers, everybody, on Dan Bilzerian. Um, yeah, you know, I, I think that the... Uh the thing, the reason I'm bringing this up is, you know, Dan Bilzerian starting a cannabis brand called Ignite, right? And he's doing it exactly as you would assume Dan Bilzerian's going to do with big parties, bikinis, you know, with celebrities, guns, and with yeah, desert, you know, desert boat women, party. You know, there's a woman. And, and the I heard I, there's a woman there. I heard there's a woman or two. The reason I bring Dan Bilzerian up, it's an interesting conversation because, um, you know, on. Hit, there was an ad that actually Vice was running, um, just a little little op op ed about an ad that they put up for Ignite, and it was oh god, night nice grass I think it was, and it was a girl in a you know a, a Dan Bilzerian outfit. Let's call it, let's call it that Dan Bilzerian appropriate outfit, um, you know bending over, and it was you know so Vice was talking about how. Uh, there had been some backlash about there's some bit, there had been some misogynistic allegations. The thing is, is that in any normal lifestyle industry, this kind of stuff happens all the time, right? The kind this kind of marketing, this kind of advertising is par for the course. You get some skimpily clad people, whether they be men or women, and you you know you go to town marketing that, right? It's it's just it's neat to under or it's not neat. It's a it's an interesting. It's an interesting question. Does cannabis want that? You know, cannabis is fundamentally different than alcohol, right? Cannabis marketing is not alcohol marketing. Cannabis lifestyle is not party lifestyle necessarily. Um, And on the other side of cannabis, you've got a lot of companies that are coming in and doing lifestyle wellness. You know, they're aligning the brands with their brands with the yoga moms and the people who are coming in to have a you know, deeper, more introspective experience with the plant and, you know, incorporate into a wellness routine. And then you've got Dan Bilzerian who's doing his Ignite thing. And I guess the question is, you know, 
Is Dan Bilzerian's weed going to be an eye roll for the cannabis space at large? Not just the niche that'll appreciate it, but the cannabis space at large, or will that eventually become similar to alcohol, similar to, um, you know, other lifestyle products? Will that eventually become just the status quo? It's a neat question. Um, it, it's so interesting. You, you touched on it. The whole industry mostly is running towards clean, legitimate, uh, business-friendly, well-regulated, all those things, right? And then we got this guy who's going the other way with it in a lot of ways, you know, kind of uh, the bad boy, uh, filling that bad boy role early, because eventually it's it's, someone's going to go that way. And I think there's there's a little bit of the same effect that Donald Trump somehow used, whether consciously or unconsciously, if, if Dan's face wasn't on Ignite, I think you'd roll your eyes a little bit more. You'd go, okay, here's some brand that's going low early in the game. Because it's Dan Blazarian, and you, like, when I think about him, I think of somebody I know how they are. And when I see that, oh, that's just Dan Blazarian. And while being maybe not some people's touch of a uh, cup of tea, he does come across as authentic in the way that he is who he is. Yeah. In the same way Donald, Donald Trump, I think, did. Because if any politician had done or been accused of or whatever of a lot of the things that went through the media about that politician, they would be ruined. But ruined. But uh, he uh, ruined. ruined. But uh, he managed to to get through it. And I think a lot of it was because the personality of of the call to personality of Donald Trump. Oh, that's just Donald Trump. Of course, he's of course he's going to call that person a loser. That's just something he does. That's just uh, he would say. That, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's, I, I want to just touch on that. The authenticity is definitely there. This is the lifestyle Dan Bilzerian's been living for a long time. It's it's more. My my question is more. Uh, sorry, I shouldn't say more about. But my question is about. You know, is that lifestyle something that is going to gain mass appeal in cannabis? Because there's no doubt there'll be a niche for it, right? There'll be there'll be a world of of people who want to have the Dan Bilzerian on a yacht smoking a blunt lifestyle, right? That's that will appeal to somebody. I'm just curious, like how much of the market that's going to end up representing? Because you look at stoner culture, right? And it definitely doesn't align with Dan Bilzerian. Uh, you know, I think you can't. It's hard to box it in. Do you know what I mean? Because I think I think I think cannabis culture has been really redefining itself, right? And as many people that are like, uh, like, there's so many good things that are happening in cannabis cannabis culture. We all think of one thing that makes our eyes roll. It's kind of like let me put it to you this way: There's two different types of car magazines. There's one that's in your doctor's office, and there's one that that's in your mechanic's shop. And the difference is the one in your mechanic shop. It looks like Dan Blazarian was involved in some way. Both leg- no, I understand, but it's not. A, it's not usually a magazine. It's a calendar, and the one that's in the you know the doctor's office is the one that sells cars, and the one that's in your mag your you know your uh, your machinist's shop is the one that you know is is developed by hobbyists, and that's what's like. It's not. It's not the same thing for you know for Budweiser. You know what I mean? So it's it's like. I just I, I want to understand if Dan Bilzerian's view on cannabis is going to be the the way that cannabis is marketed because of its parallel with, you know, the alcohol world and, and you know, parties and sophistication and, and the and the you know, the lifestyle that comes with with alcohol marketing that you have to use to sell your brand of alcohol because it, fundamentally it's a commodity product no different than cannabis. 
not to say that there isn't variances in quality like in alcohol, but cannabis is also a commodity product. It's not a car with many nuances or a phone or what have you, right? So, you know, does does as more and more money come into the cannabis space and as people, you know, race to create brands, does that mean cannabis naturally follows the progression that alcohol did or does it go in a totally different direction go 100 percent health wellness organic or somewhere in the middle or like you know throwback to I, I have no idea you know that's that's the the fascinating i don't think anybody has any idea it's it's just it's curious to see if it's going to be split up like an even pie or if dan bilzerian's view on you know girls and cannabis is going to be niche or the thing. It, you know? It's funny because there's such a split between mar- the marketing conversation and the business-to-business relationship because so many businesses, when you go behind the marketing to how the business operates, they're very... They're, they're very similar with key differences. And and the marketing, too, you can compare the marketing across all boards. It has the, the thing about it's like motorcycles. Uh, the, the, you think of a, a classic motorcycle rider, you can kind of picture that. When... You picture a weed customer. Traditionally, we've been taught to think of one thing, but it's such a broad spectrum uh, product that you know the marketing options. You go a bunch of different ways with it. You know what I mean? And that I think he's on a valid pathway. And it, it's I think it's interesting in the sense that it, I think it naturally it naturally sets him apart. And what I'm curious from an insider spec- per- perspective, I wonder how Dan Blazeri and his team do business and how that can. Comp- compares to how another other different uh, outfits are will be going about their business. Do you know who he's partnering no, think, well, with? Dan Bilzerian's business is is absolutely to throw some amazing parties and to you know sell a lifestyle, and I, I think he does a very damn good job of doing a, that. A so Dan, anyway, a Dan, I, a Dan good job. See a Dan good job. So it'll be interesting to see what Dan Bilzerian, uh, how the Ignite brand nets out, what it looks like, and and if you can create you know a lifestyle brand around cannabis right now that's as Dan Bilzerian forward as this one is. <laughs> well, time will tell. We'll follow that one closely. At least Dan will be on uh, on Dan Bilzerian's Instagram. Not a subscriber. Not a subscriber. Yeah, okay. All right, bud. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, what do we got? What else is going on? Oh, dude, Super Smash Bros. Five million copies sold. Wow. That, that was in the first week. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. It seemed like a big number, but I, I was as I was reading the, t- the title of the article, I was like, I would expect more than five million, more than five, more than five million copies. Uh, yeah, I think that they are like in that twenty to seventeen to twenty two range. Didn't this, didn't this release like two months ago? Why are we talking about release? Uh, this thing, I think, like has lived. Uh, kind of symbiotic re- uh, lifestyle down in our show notes somehow being ported. Oh, I gotta say, quick aside, I watched Venom last night. This movie is a great movie. If you love the Venom character, our comic books, or Tom Hardy, it is a succinct, great story that does like the Eddie Brock Venom relationship so well and still keeps, and is badass, like keeps its edge to the film. Uh, yes. And uh, I recommend it wholeheartedly. There used to be the only time there was a crossover is at the end of a movie when the movie like winks at you when like, you know, somehow like, uh, you know, Indiana Jones is mentioned in Star Wars and I, you get a little, I'm a little tired of every movie being a crossover and to have a comic book right. movie that just tells a story, it's it's nice. It's a little uh, palate yeah. cleanser. Anyway, you were saying nice. about uh, f- uh, we're talking uh, what? Uh, uh, no, we're not going to talk about Smash Bros anymore. It sold a lot of copies two months ago. Yeah, great. Okay, done. <laughs> In other news, done and dusted. 
<laughs> in other news, recreational weed has been found to have a correlation with junk food sales. No. Uh, all right, High Times. I Let's take this listen, one to task. This kind of hard-hitting reporting is what I tune into this for. <laughs> So uh, the verdict is that people are buying more ice cream, cookies, and chips in adult use states. Mm-hmm. They uh, they sh- the, so these studies, and I'm quoting High Times, showed that purchases of high caloric foods increased in weed legal counties, but in non legal cross border counties, they didn't observe the same increase. Mm. Three foods: cookies, ice cream, and chips mm-hmm. were analyzed, mm-hmm. and um, specifically, the study found again, uh, quoting High Times, monthly sales of ice cream increased by 5%, cookies by 6%, and chips by 6.6%. You got your core three munchables on display there. You got crunchy, salty, creamy, sweet. It's all happening. Those are, I mean, listen, dude, if you if you are, if you are deep on a big batch of indica and you want to chill in front of the TV, let me ask you, are you going to grab yourself some chips? Probably. Is there going to be ice cream on the menu? I'd imagine. And if you got a cookie or two in the cupboard, you're going to grab a cookie or two on your way to the ice cream and the chips. Can we agree? I'm a popcorn guy, not a chips guy. I got to throw that out. And then ice cream was a staple, but I've kicked Hagendaz out of my life. We're on a break, so that's out as well. On your cookie game, though, bud, on your cookie game, the cheap cookies, the ones at the 7-Eleven, they taste mm. like Count Chocula cereal. They're soft in a way that is unnatural for a cookie that was not made recently. And sign me up. Sign me up every sign time. Sign me up. Sign me up every time. I believe that for the purpose of this study, popcorn is under the vein of chips. So we're on, we're on par there. Hey, is a hot and dog, the only reason you're a, not is, eating ice cream is, a hot dog a sandwich? is because you ate too much ice cream. Is a hot dog a sandwich? A hot dog is not a sandwich. Well, then I don't know if popcorn is chips. We're, we're talking about, a, we're talking about a, a study, Dan. We're talking about batching things. We're not going to be doing the 15 categories of food study. You convinced me. That would be me. silly, wouldn't you it? You convinced me immediately. <laughs> you, you want to die on this hill, Dan? You want to die on this no, hill? No, this hill is not the hill where I parked my car or my casket. Let's let's GTFO. Oh, All righty. Well, let's... Uh, oh, I, I got another one here. EA cancels another Star Wars title. Yeah. Why don't you tell us about that? Yay! <laughs> now, is this the one they canceled that was uh, an awesome RPG Has this one Coruscant been dying in our show notes? Or, no. Boy, I'm so excited for our next episode this- when we don't have two-month-old show notes kicking around in the bottom Just of our documents. living at the bottom of the notes. Yeah, this one... Just like the troll under the bridge. Yeah, I read this article two months ago, but there was like an open-world RPG that was coming out, uh, sort of uh, KOTOR-style Silicon Knights kind of vibe, and uh, that one got the axe. And mm. uh, it was it was pretty decently into development, but they just said, nope. Nope? Yeah. Oh, a neat little pop-up ad... Uh- this is so man pop-ups have gotten so out of friggin control and by the way just so we're all clear your phone is listening to you yes so if you don't think your phone is listening to you your phone is listening for example to you. that's actually par- categorically par- correct. example i'm sitting there with my buddy jim today he heard me mention uh guinness to somebody on the phone can you pick me up some guinness on the way home and uh mm-hmm. Then he thought to himself, oh, I'm going to go buy some Guinness because that did sound good. Didn't say anything. Goes and buys Guinness. He opens his phone today and he's like, I haven't seen an ad for Guinness on my phone ever. And then you you talked about it in front of me and then I bought it and now Guinness is on my phone. You explain that? No, no. It's, it's, a, it's, it's happening. A fact. It's a fact. It's what's happening. So basically what happens is your phone is is recording localized data that apps then have access to, Right. 
sorry, I, I shouldn't state it like I know, but this is what I've heard. <laughs> so I don't know. All I know is that contextual ads appearing in my Facebook feed have gotten scary good, like scary good at showing me stuff that I was talking about earlier that day. Yeah. And I think out of principle, I don't click on them because I'm like, oh, no, no, I wasn't browsing for that. That's creepy. But man, is it ever creepy? Uh, turns out Ignite and Bo, so Bo is, um, I guess, what we could call a jewel competitor, uh, have actually gotten together to do a supercharged CBD product. It's a, it's a CBD-filled vape. So it looks like Ignite's already getting up to some shit. They're already out there. See? Getting it going. Hitting the game. Not just another pretty Dan face. Dan Bilzerian. Not standing still. Yeah. That guy. Yeah, not just nope, another not pretty face. Still. Like it. Um, uh, quick. So listen, it's uh, it's easy easy to have romance on valentine's day can i but what happens after valentine's day i, I don't know well <laughs> jesus high times knows high times has some date night ideas for you perfect for cannabis loving couples high times is, is just serving up the gas uh, nice job where it high times hitting me where it counts so high times suggestion number one you want to get high with your friend or your special friend or your wife Flex your culinary skills. Your wife somewhere saying, oh, I'm not your special friend. <laughs> I mean, I got to be, I got to, I got to put a little stopper on this one, High Times. I don't think you should be cooking that much if you're stoned. No. And it's not really a safety thing. It's a forgetful thing. It's the, like, on no good I mean, list does it say get really high, turn on the stove. Those are bad lists. <laughs> turn on the stove, put something in the oven. Let me tell you. Putting something in the oven when you're stoned is a recipe for not eating that, that thing. Let's be honest. This story is a little bit about putting in something in the oven, isn't it? Oh, <laughs> shit. By the way, Uh-oh. talking about predictive ads, really early in the predictive ad game, uh, somebody's Spock got blown up because uh, a young lady uh, gets pregnant and uh, needs to go purchase prenatal vitamins for that pregnancy. And the place asks them for, ask her for her postal code. Well, they then send her a coupon weeks later in the mail for prenatal vitamins to which her father opens. Oh. And then spot Boy. spot officially blown up. Uh, and so it's it's something that, that we're going to see go forward, right? It's it's a, I heard a term today on the CBC. It's my favorite term of the day. It's technological chauvinism. And that's the idea nice. that any solution that is more technically complex or advanced quote unquote is better and right. the great example is for me uh, that that's that's somebody's spot getting blown up and for instance here's something interesting about most gps systems so we think about if you plug in something into a gps it's always going to be the fastest route or reasonably the fastest route correct correct right so something that people don't know is that GPS systems, a lot of them that have a predictive traffic system, will occasionally send a person on a route that previously had a, tra- a traffic jam that it didn't want. It wants an update on, so it sends you in there. And if you get through, all oh, great, it's going to send more people. If you don't, it just has baited you out into a traffic oh, dude, jam. You're the you're the canary in the coal mine. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, and it's, you're sacrificed on the on the on the at altar of of uh, ways. So, wow. Well, and it's it's so it's funny in some ways a broader knowledge of how to get somewhere like looking at a map could be better arguably than one of these GPSs. But it's like you hedge your bet that that this isn't the ninety five percent of the time when it's ways is going to just do all the right things. Dan, let, let's let's play a game called pre- predictive 
advertising roulette. Go into your Facebook feed and let's talk about the first five ads that show up. Okay, let's do this. Let's do this. Um, what do I have? Okay, one, one sec. I got master class. Neil Gaiman is going to teach me the art of storytelling. Interesting. Game, okay. Gaiman. Eh? Oh. <laughs> Take it easy. Uh, I got some marketing ads. Uh, oh, a marketing work. ad. I've been reading about <laughs> I got I got a, an ad about how I can be a better marketer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I got an ad about collaborating with my team in the workplace. <laughs> God, this is it's becoming a, it's very sad. It's a good sad. place to collaborate with your team. Okay, I have... Uh, oh, here we go. Here we go. I've got a Fortnite ad. Nice. There we are. Yeah, talk, talk yeah work in Fortnite. That's been pretty much my conversation. I today. am looking at a tech... More marketing. I'm looking at a Tech Vibes ad. Um, mm-hmm. Featuring Andy, the Canadian version of Casper, um, with a uh, the the uh, the guy in the advertisement is Joe Jose Batista of the uh, Toronto Blue Jays. It's really honed into my my city that I live in. Like they're like, and you here's somebody you might and love. You you like baseball, and maybe you'll like mattresses. And you live in Toronto, and you've been. Go- I was googling about mattresses in the last. 365, like a heavy, deep Google, where I look at every single mattress store, and and my Google Analytics goes, this this motherfucker is gonna buy a mattress for sure. Oh, He's man. doing it. I'm now looking at an ad. I've never seen an ad for candy or junk food snacks in my entire life. I'm looking at a Kit Kat ad right now. Ooh, ooh, talking about snacks and Kit Kats, and you got ads. Wow. All right, I'm out of here. I got one. I gotta spooky. get one more. Okay, here we go. So, get one oh, more. this one's not awesome. Boozer, Toronto's number one alcohol delivery app with the best craft beer, wine, spirits delivered mm. right to your door. Fun, nice. fast boozers. Andy, what did I talk about earlier in this podcast? I talked about talking to someone and asking them to pick me up beer, a Guinness. Beer. Did I not just yep, talk? I about talked that? about beer, and then you talked about yeah. It was, I don't know, man. This is spooky. I know the guys at Boozer. Nice guys. Oh, uh, are they part of that? Uh, up, up, the del- other delivery guys, or just a, that's a different space? No, no, they're doing some stuff. Uh, yeah, no, they're, they're, I just know them separately. Anyway, um, high times. Let's finish this one up. Go museum hopping. I, I feel like you know, smoking a little cannabis and going to a museum would be an interesting thing to do with your significant other. I feel like that would be nice. Yes, it says to your partner. Yeah. I think about sometimes stuff, and sometimes that stuff it's art. And then you pose. Yeah. Then you pose. In a, the coolest way. Now, you can. Here's here's the here's the real one. Here's the real goat. <laughs> hit me, hit me, hit me. Uh, embark on a munchies tour. Well, yeah, we're gonna go get dinner and dessert. Of course, we are. Right. Stoned. Yeah. Naturally, it's the best way to receive then, funnel cake. I would argue. That's it. We're then gonna reconnect with nature. So uh, roast some cannabis infused s'mores and cuddle under a blanket. Nice. Do some stargazing. And the last one is start a hula hoop battle. I feel like that was a curveball. Hard, yeah, hard pass. But you know what? Points for ingenuity. Oh, last one. Downward dog in unison. Okay, yeah. we're out of here. Yeah. High times. Yeah, <laughs> we're out of here. We're done. All right, Dan. I think we yeah. got to land this thing. We got to take. We got to take this one into the garage. What do you think? I concur. We got to take this episode out back. And and nope. Eyes. And just love it until it's natural passing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Listener questions or games you want us to play. Purple Dungeon Squid at gmail.com. Shoot us an email.
And uh, speaking of recommending things to friends, start with this podcast. When you're done, uh, you need to recommend to your friends and yourself the Precisely podcast with our guys. Precisely podcast. Precisely podcast with our Precisely. Our, our main men, uh, Bo and Tony. And these guys are talking video games. Uh, word up. Step off, man. You know what the territory is about. Uh, and, uh, and beer. And these guys, they're hilarious. They're just a couple of friends talking about suds and games. And I highly recommend it. I mean, if you're yeah. here, uh, you might as well be there. Yeah, they're on episode six. You know, fist bumps out to those dudes. Yes. Um, and uh, shout out Gamers Talk. And after you go uh, from make- here to there, then go from there to here. Like, again, like, come on. You know you know who mm. you guys are. Come on. There and back. And come back and then go there. Yeah. And then come back. back. Make sure you also follow us on Instagram at Purple Dungeon Squid. Until next time. Uh, please, my friends, keep it dank. Uh, I am high.